Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the caravan is coming. The real question is, what are we going to do about it? You're not going to stop the thing from coming. Mexico has already made the decision that they're not going to stop it from coming. 5,000 people, maybe now it's 7,000 people, 10,000 people. I'm hearing more. I mean, pick your number. Hondurans, Guatemalans, Mexicans. I don't know who else is in there. President Trump uh, says uh, there are people who are uh, Middle Eastern, who are all part of the caravan. The question is, what are you going to do about it? What's the plan? And are we even being honest about what it is that we're looking at? That would that would uh, help quite a bit, a little bit of honesty. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY is the number. 833-468-8669. Uh, Senator Todd Young of Indiana scheduled to be with us uh, in a little bit here uh, in studio. But the president, his name is Donald Trump. You've seen pictures. Hello. Took uh, to Twitter. Saying, sadly, it looks like Mexico's police and military are unable to stop the caravan heading to the southern border of the United States. Criminals and unknown Middle Easterners are mixed in. I've alerted Border Patrol and military that this is a national emergency. Must change laws. The president uh, continued on Twitter, as he is known to do. Hey, Tony. Hey, sir. Every time you see a caravan or people illegally coming or attempting to come into our country illegally, think of and blame the Democrats for not giving us the votes to change our pathetic immigration laws. Remember the midterms. So unfair to those who come in legally. The president then uh, finishing it up. Hello. Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador were not able to do the job of stopping people from leaving their country and coming illegally to the U.S. We will now begin cutting off or substantially reducing the massive foreign aid routinely given to them. Now, I have no problem with foreign aid being cut off uh, to these nations. And I have no problem looking at Mexico and saying, what kind of country do you have here? But we can't do anything until we are all honest with each other. And that goes to the following. What is it that we're looking at? What we're looking at is an invasion. Now, there are going to be a lot of people who are tug-at-the-heartstring types who are going to uh, tell you, oh, you're just being hyperbolic and invasion. Oh, it's little children. You really scared of little children? Well, if they're just going to drop off the children and leave, we'll take care of the children. That's a deal. That's a deal. If none of the adults come into the country, we'll take care of the children. Got you covered. I'm willing to make that deal right here, right now, no question. I'm willing to do just that. But if you don't call it an invasion, the level of dishonesty uh, in that is beyond anything that I can comprehend. 5,000 people, 7,000 people, do I hear 10,000 people, maybe more, on their way to the United States? Not flying an American flag saying, please let us be Americans. Not with pictures of of a former foreign a former U.S. president and saying this is what we want our leadership to look like. No, 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 no. 
flying uh, their own flags. Now, there are reports uh, that in one of these uh, places last night, they actually spray-painted a swastika on an American flag and set it on fire. That's no way to say to a country, hey, uh, we'd like in, please. There is this weird philosophy that somehow these people believe that they are entitled, probably because they've been told, hey, you're entitled to come in. Those, those Americans, those racist, bigot Americans can't stop you. Yeah, they've got all that money and all that opportunity, but they're racist. Well, well pick one. Why are 10,000 people trying to get into a racist, bigoted country? Could have something to do with the fact that we're not racist nor bigoted. It could have something to do with the fact uh, that where they're from is far worse, which it is, by the way. Honduras is far worse. El Salvador is far worse. Guatemala is far worse. It's not that I want it to be far worse. It's that it is. So why not say so? Why not say that it's far worse? Why is that such a difficult thing for anybody to get through their head? It's worse. So say so. And if you want to be an American, actually talk about wanting to be an American. Don't carry the flag of the country you came from which is awful. Uh, Donald Trump had a word for it. It was it was blank hole countries. It wasn't blank hole people, but the country? Not so good. Very much problematic. Why is is that is that too much to say? Is that too strong? Is that too uh too on the 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 nose? I don't believe that to be true. As a matter of fact, I think the worst part is the idea that we're not honest about the thing. Of course it's an invasion. So now the question is, what do you want to do about it? Now the question is, how do you want to handle it? This is one of the questions that I'm going to be asking uh, Senator Todd Young. It's one of the questions we're all going to be asking each other. We're all going to be getting into this. You know what? I'm going to break it early so I've got more time with the senator. Todd Young from Indiana. He's up next. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. You can just pull that right over to you. Just pull the whole thing. I mean, wherever, wherever you want to be, just, just make it like this close to you. It's uh, it's Todd Young, uh, the, the senator extraordinaire, uh, joining us right now from, from Indiana. And uh, I know, don't, don't listen, don't let the, the cheap microphones here at MS Communications upset you in any way. I know. Yeah, you gave me the budget mic, but that's okay. No, we're it's good look- to be with you, Tony. What we're looking for are more tax breaks. That's yeah. that's really what we're going for right there. Yeah, we're going for you. a few thank more you. tax breaks would be great and helpful. Yeah. Uh, you're in town. You're, you're doing a few things, and I do want to get with you, sir, on on uh, uh, the Khashoggi murder. I do want to get with you on this caravan. But one of the things you're doing in town, you were, last week you were, you were doing an entire conversation about uh, – getting people into the idea of, of getting a chance in America. And today it was a conversation of retirement. We've gone through these stories where there are people who don't have in their retirement savings the $500 in case a, a medical bill comes up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so, you know, roughly half of Americans uh, don't believe they have enough money to retire they, the way they want to retire, meaning uh, to retire when they're, they anticipate retiring. Uh, to retire and lead the same sort of lifestyle that they were able to lead during their working years, and to have enough money 
during their retirement year so they don't run out of money over the course of, of their life. And, and so um, we had a forum this morning with the National Federation of Independent Business, a bunch of small business owners, uh, Secretary of State Connie Lawson, who's really doing some great financial literacy initiatives here in the state of Indiana, and Pete the Planner, who is a Pete's resident. a good guy. Oh, man. Yeah, he's smart as, as a whip. And uh, we just talked through some of the things I'm doing at the federal level to try and make it easier for small businesses to enroll their employees in retirement plans and uh, how else we might remove barriers to retirement security in this country. So it went real well. And um, I look forward to continuing to have these sorts of forums around the state of Indiana and legislating in this area. So the the there is this isn't about federal program conversations, which are the kind of things that would always drive me crazy. But rather, this is about conceptually where the issue is with retirement savings. Why aren't people saving those kinds of issues? Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of both, candidly. Um, very. Few of life's problems are conducive to federal fixes, one-size-fits-all fixes. But there are already rules, federal rules, related to retirement security. And guess what? Those rules aren't very favorable to small businesses. So it makes it really hard for small businesses to enroll their employees, A, because it's expensive to administer these plans, and, and we've come up with ways to reduce some of the red tape so that it'll be less expensive for employers to administer these plans for their employees. And B, there is litigation risk that is ridiculous for small businesses if they enroll their employees in retirement plans. So um, I put forward legislation that would help remedy these defects of the federal law. It's real popular among uh, rank-and-file Hoosiers, as well as uh, business owners, and um, I think it's going to become law here in the next few months. But I look forward to doing more uh, to remove barriers so that people can save more for their own retirement uh, in coming months. Talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana, when, we were, when you were on the show, just I think it was just last week, it was still getting the information about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post contributor, um, uh, the Saudi national uh, that he is. You were very strong at the time that this cannot stand, Yeah, that clearly he was murdered by the Saudis, and there has to be a response. We know now that Saudi Arabia has admitted it. Um, they admit it in a very kind of peculiar way that, uh, oh, it was a mistake. Uh, it was uh, not who we are. You know, we're, we're not this authoritarian regime. We're, we're simply a, 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 a monarchy. Uh, that Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, uh, was not uh, aware of it. Now there's conversations. There was a body double uh, out there, a series of, of bits of, of madness. One of the things that you have dis- discussed is this arms deal, this $112, $120 billion yeah. uh, worth of, of, of arms deal. As you now know more about what has happened, you've seen the reaction uh, from the Saudis. Do you believe the United States should go through with the arms deal? No. Uh, I don't believe that going through with the arms deal is appropriate. Uh, it's highly unfortunate that we came to uh, this situation. I think it could have been avoided, candidly. I think that uh, we could have sent a message many months ago, as uh, I've been pressing for, to Saudi leadership uh, that they needed to obey international human rights law, that they needed uh, to stop conducting military operations on their southern border uh, in a way that targeted uh, innocent civilians, uh, little children in school buses, bombing them, bombing warehouses full of 
of uh, humanitarian supplies in the worst humanitarian crisis since the 1940s. But you know what? That message wasn't sent. So um, peculiarly, uh, from my standpoint, the, the, the media, the mainstream media, did not really cover this invisible war in the country of Yemen for about two years, three years. But when one Washington Post journalist is killed and cut into little pieces, suddenly it's, it's captured the imagination of journalists, and then they've been covering it, it's captured the imagination of the American people. It is worthy of coverage, but I, I think this is a much bigger issue. The crown prince of Saudi Arabia is impulsive, he is reckless, and uh, we need to send a message to that country that we will no longer stand uh, with leadership that consistently violates our fundamental values. Look, occasionally we've got to be, deal with bad actors. I understand that. And we need to work with the Saudis to counter Iranian influence uh, across the Middle East and beyond because Iran is a state sponsor of international terror. Which is the question, sir, which is how do you deal with yeah. Saudi Arabia in a way that still has Saudi Arabia with you in dealing with Iran? I, Iran is public enemy number one. We agree on that point. We do. The Saudis, however, need us more than we need them. They need us uh, for military supplies. They need us for refueling their aircraft so they can continue to carry out this military mission. They need us. Uh, they need access to our economy. Uh, an area after area, the Saudis need the United States of America, and so we have leverage against them. And we need to reset this, this relationship. And I don't know whether that means that Saudi Arabia is going to have to choose a new ruler a new crown prince? Um, is there a non-Wahhabist uh, member of the royal family that uh, piques your interest? You know, that's <laughs> all, that is up. I mean, for, that is part that of is the issue. That is ultimately up, up up to the Saudis to determine. But I do know this: you know, we are a country of values, of principles, and uh, when our partners in in military conflicts don't maintain the, just the basic norms, basic laws and standards uh, that we have, we need to hold them to account. I don't expect perfection from our allies and partners, but I do expect leadership on this front. And, and uh, we have a real opportunity. And, and the president, to his credit, has, has spoken up indicating that we need to hold accountable Saudi leadership and, and the Saudi government if, in fact, uh, we find out what all of us suspect which is that the Saudis lured an American journalist, an American resident, a graduate of Indiana State University, to a consulate in Turkey with the intention of butchering him. Uh, we need to hold them to account. The president has spoken forcefully about that. I agree with him. And then in terms of arms sales or continued refueling, uh, those things not only need to be on the table, I've already decided it would be inappropriate for those to move forward under current circumstances. Uh, and, and, and so, um, is you know, current, is current circumstances what's happened or is current circumstances, the full arms package, maybe it's a half arms package, maybe it's a quarter arms package, maybe it's a not involving these three missiles. Look, maybe it's, maybe it's not involving, uh, these two, uh, other types of, of defense methodologies. Yeah, it's, a good question. it's a good question. Yeah. I'm open to thoughtful arguments, counter arguments with respect to this issue. So I, you know, I always keep my mind open, but, to but my initial thought is, uh, we don't need to be sending weapons uh, to the Saudis uh, until they can demonstrably uh, 
you know, change their behavior and, and persuade the United States of America that they will be uh, good partners moving forward. Uh, they need to, there needs to be transparency with respect to uh, this horrible butchery that occurred. I think Erdogan, the leader of Turkey, is going to help us out in two days when he gives a speech to his parliament. He's told us he's going he's to share with the world in graphic detail precisely what happened in that consulate. So we'll have more clarity after Tuesday, and that will probably provide more clarity to me about the appropriate next course of action. People are worried that if you punish the Saudis, you've got an increase in oil prices. You worried about that, sir? Um, we got a global oil market. The United States, if in fact, uh, as everyone knows through the laws of supply and demand, uh, if there's a, a, a decrease in oil supply coming out of Saudi Arabia, there's a short-term spike in the price of oil, and there, that will incentivize production in other places around the world. But... I think uh, Saudi's decrease of production uh, would hurt the Saudi economy more than it would hurt ours. They don't want to damage the economy of the West. They don't want to hurt, even in the short term, many of our businesses or consumers, because in the longer term, they depend on the financial health of individual Americans and, and Western businesses to buy uh, their uh, commodities. So, um, that I think that is overstated by so many analysts and members of the media. There again, we have leverage over the Saudis. They need us more than we need them. Talking to Senator Todd Young, uh, live in studio. Uh, Going to move subjects and talk about this caravan. I don't know if the number's 5,000. I don't know if the number's 7,000. I don't know if the number's 10,000. But the number of people heading up through Mexico to the United States seems to be growing every single day. Uh, this is Hondurans, Guatemalans, Mexicans. Uh, President Trump says Middle Easterners. Who knows who else is part of this group? Uh, I am not a hyperbolic man, although some people who don't like me politically uh, tend to disagree with that statement. Uh, honesty seems to do that to them. Uh, <laughs> I make the argument that if this isn't invasion or the concept therein, I don't know what it is. I'm asking you, Senator, uh, a, a former, uh, do you say former? You say retired U.S. Marine or once Marine, always Marine. I don't even know how that's supposed to work. I'm not retired. You had to spend 20 years on active duty to to essentially be retired, but that's neither here nor there. I Mike, just, you, to a lot of veterans out there, it, it means something, though. So, um, so what, what so do we do about, about this? this caravan? Um, yeah, so let me start and acknowledge for those who, who might have any question in their minds whatsoever about generally how I, how I feel about our country. We are a generous nation. We celebrate those who come to this country legally, right? We understand yes. that uh, this country was, was built on the backs in large measure of, of immigrants, and in, in a certain respect, we are all immigrants. Okay, I've got that out of the way, and, and uh, I've spoken to the decentness of, of the American people. With that said, we have to be able to control our borders. I think President Trump has done the right thing. He sent an unambiguous message that uh, we're going to work with the Mexican government, to make sure that this caravan cannot continue to advance further north. And let's hope it all stops there. Uh, but he's prepared to secure our southern border. I'm a United States Marine. I spent a lot of my time in the Marine Corps actually operating on the southern border, working with drone aircraft, coming up with new military doctrine about how we can secure our border. So um, I take this really, really seriously, and uh, I think the president's headed exactly in the right direction on this issue. It is a national security issue. Um, most of these individuals are desperate. They are fleeing horrible circumstances. 
I, I acknowledge that. But um, do I think that uh, there is a possibility, perhaps even a probability, that bad actors have inserted themselves into this caravan? Yes, I do also. Is this a caravan that's going to have to be stopped with force? I'm the one saying yes, because I don't know how else it stops, because this seems to be political, not about the actual people, and not about their children or anything else. Yeah, well, so how the Mexicans choose to stop the caravan um, comes down to the Mexicans. I hope they will use the minimum level of, of uh, force or, or uh, you know, intervention required in order to arrest uh, these thousands of, of migrants that uh, seek to come to the United States. Uh, but it may involve some human contact, if you will. Before I let you go, and I'm going to keep you for a touch during the break to get a little more into it, we've got the midterms coming up in a couple of weeks here in Indiana. Uh, you've got Mike Braun, the Republican, Joe Donnelly, uh, the Democrat, uh, your, your fellow senator. Uh, how do you think this thing's going to go down in two weeks? Well, I, trend, I tend to trust my gauges, and the latest polling numbers, I guess they just came out today, have Mike Braun up by four percentage points. That's, that's his so, internals, correct. That's right. That's right. So this thing is trending in Braun's direction. You know, I'm a Republican. I'm an unapologetic uh, Republican, and uh, so I'll be voting for Braun. So, of, of course, that's where my heart is. Uh, but I think the people of Indiana, having supported Donald Trump by 19 points, benefited handsomely from a combination of tax reform and regulatory reform and the other changes we've made at the federal level recognize that it is this Republican United States Senate working with the Republican House and a Republican president. Stay right there, Tony Katz. So here's what's going on. I interrupted you mid-sentence because we had to go to commercial. But now, while we're still streaming live, we're still on Facebook Live, we're going to take the rest of your answer. And we're going to play it for everybody tomorrow morning. But the people who are on Facebook, they're going to hear the rest of you, Senator. We, I interrupted you mid-thought and maybe the most important thought you've ever had in your entire career in government. How does that feel? It feels fantastic, actually. <laughs> I never expected it. I didn't see it coming. But um, it's really um, it's given me a new perspective uh, on life and, and um, how <laughs> having... Having individuals cut you off mid-sentence while tens of thousands, uh, maybe hundreds of thousands of people are listening. Sir, millions. Don't insult me. All right. Don't insult me, Senator. Um, How dare you? Yeah, just just how liberating it can be. So now I can go any direction I want. Bottom line, Braun's going to win, and uh, Republicans just need to get out and vote. Do you you see um, people talk about this enthusiasm gap? They talk about Blue Wave. The numbers don't tell me that. They kind of conflict with each other anywhere you look at the polls. What what are you're talking to more people than I am? What are you what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What do you, what are your fellow Democrats, uh, fellow Democrats, the Democrats that you work with in the Senate? What are they saying to you? I I represent a whole lot of Democrats and and uh, have a lot of friends who are Democrats, right? So, um, you know, I'm hearing from Republicans and Democrats alike that this enthusiasm gap has narrowed uh, to almost nothing at this point. Of course, Democrats have been in the midst of their resistance movement for uh, roughly two years now, ever since the election. Uh, that that will continue uh, until Election Day. But Republicans uh, seem emboldened on the back end, not just of all this great economic news, but also uh, on the recognition that they have been able, over just a short period of time, 
they, by voting for Republicans to the United States Senate and putting a Republican in the White House, have been responsible for getting two Supreme Court justices on the Supreme Court of the United States. People who actually faithfully interpret the Constitution and don't insert their own policy preferences um, into it. And uh, for me, that was the most important issue of my campaign. So uh, I know the people of Indiana feel like we have a mandate to uh, do this, and uh, they want the momentum to continue on the economic front, on the judges' front, and also, I would say, on the national security front where so many positive strides have been made. Guys, that's, that's, uh, that's Senator Todd Young. He, he, took, he took the cutoff uh, like, like a mensch, like he did. Uh, later, I'll explain to you, sir, what a mensch is. Uh, but that's that there. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe you've been around some people. You, you know what mensch is. No, no. Okay. But I, uh, I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm going to do I, it. I, I don't know whether I should speak to that or not. But, no, uh, you should not. Okay. What are, but it's, I, no, what, a mensch mench, mench is a good man, is a good person, is a stand-up guy. You want, your, you want your son to grow up to be a mensch. That's real. That's, I, wouldn't lie, I wouldn't lie to you. Yeah. Wow. Do you think I would lie to you? No, I don't. My goodness. And I don't even think you're hyperbolic today. No. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get rough. It's going to get rough. We'll be back with you guys in 30 seconds. Tony Katz. Oh, there he goes. Oh, Senator Joe Donnelly. Senator Joe Donnelly. Senator Todd Young. Because <laughs> I was gonna, I was asking him about Joe Donnelly right there, uh, right there uh, at at the end. We were we were discussing uh, some things uh, uh, about the race. He was also discussing the New York Times and how they're they're focused finally on on the war uh, in, in in Yemen. And it's interesting because in in that Khashoggi conversation, he was first to re- being very very strong. Uh, on on the subject, and I, I was I think it's interesting that when we take a look in, in this conversation about Jamal Khashoggi, people are saying, "I don't care enough. I don't want it to have an effect on on my life. I, I don't want to be told that somehow the murder of this guy means I spend more at the pump, or I have a harder time traveling, or or all these other things. I, I don't want that. I do believe you have to have some kind of response. Uh, we will have that posted, of course, uh, at TonyCats.com. And the rest of my conversation, which you heard about where he thinks Republicans are and where he thinks uh, the momentum uh, is, um, you heard it. But for uh, if you are watching on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. But if you didn't, don't worry, I'll have that uh, in the morning on on uh, uh, my, my morning show. And then I'll, I'll share it, of course, here. Uh, part two, without a question. I need to get into Beto-mania. And we're going to start needing some Beto-mania music. Right, because Beto Mania is 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 real and is amazing and everybody loves it. Just doing a little dance to it. Beto Beto O'Rourke is is the the bad yacht rock of America. Oh yeah. They they love him in a way that can't properly be described and they they're tripping all over themselves talking about how wonderful and terrific he is abc referring to him as a rock star and not in the wow man you, people are, are are big fans here 
uh, the reporter who was with him was like, wow, you're, you're like a real rock star. Oh, they, they, people just love you. He's still losing. Why is there this massive enthusiasm for a guy who is still losing and is going to waste money for Democrats all across the country? What's the win? Exactly how does that benefit anybody? Why have Democrats continued to allow this? We talked last week about a story that got no coverage. That Chuck Schumer's PAC, Chuck Schumer's PAC gave $3 million to Robert Menendez. Why is Chuck Schumer's PAC in a, in a uh, Senate world where everything is tight, why is he giving $3 million to a Democrat in a reliably blue state? Well, he's doing so because Robert Menendez, of course, who was under FBI investigation, a guy who was, uh, you know, with underage prostitutes. And can we just say we're calling it underage prostitutes? The, can, the, the wordplay is magnificent. What happened to sex slave? What happened to sex slave? Because it's a Democrat, it's now underage prostitutes? There is no such thing as an underage prostitute. There is such a thing as a sex slave. Good gosh. Just a little honesty would go a long way in this conversation. Right? So there were the stories of that and the, and the, the doctor that he was working with in Florida and the flights that were taken and everything else, and it's had an effect on him. Of course, it's had a serious effect on him. So they had to dump in $3 million to a race in reliably blue New Jersey. I'm sorry, that tells you something. That's $3 million they couldn't spend in Florida, in Indiana, in Missouri, in North Dakota, in Montana, in Ohio. It's a really big deal. And everybody is donating their money to Beto O'Rourke. In Texas, under the massive delusion that he is going to defeat Ted Cruz. Now listen, if you're telling me do I want Ted Cruz more than Beto O'Rourke, the answer is of course I do. I want Ted Cruz more than I want Beto O'Rourke. Which is to say, I don't want Robert O'Rourke. Robert O'Rourke. No, that's why he calls himself Beto. Because Robert O'Rourke is not easy to say. Robert O'Rourke. Robert O'Rourke. Nope, not easy to say at all. Cruz and the real clear politics average is at 50.8. O'Rourke is at 43.8. At one moment, they were separated by five. At one moment, they were separated by three. That was back in September. That means that Ted Cruz has continued to pull away. He's continued to grow and he's cracking 50% and Beto never has. He has never cracked 50%. Yet he's gotten $38 million plus now in campaign contributions that could have gone to other Democrats. The Beto mania is surreal. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. And it's embarrassing because don't they know they're going to lose there? They could have actually had a chance, which takes us back to this Politico piece. 
this very interesting piece that says Democrats now hope to shift from winning the majority to limiting losses in the Senate. Republicans could lock up a multi-cycle Senate majority by winning Indiana and other states like it this fall. Of course, Indiana's the linchpin. Indiana has always been ground zero. We've known this from the beginning, maybe because we live here, but we just understood it. We understood it. Called it two years ago. Indiana as the linchpin. Called it. So now if there's, by the way, if there is this admission that the the Democrats can't win the Senate, is Chuck Schumer still the Senate uh, minority leader? Why? Why? What, what has he done? He wasn't able to stop Gorsuch. He wasn't able to stop Kavanaugh. Uh, the, the wall still has a level of funding, and you've got those uh, prototypes uh, happening. Uh, where where it, you, you were only able to save Obamacare because of John McCain, and now the individual mandate no longer exists in a way because of the tax plan. The Republicans got their tax plan through and are now working on a secondary tax plan, which the president is now talking about to try and get people excited about tax cuts again before the midterms. What do you need Chuck Schumer for? What has his leadership actually given you? I think that's a good question and one that needs to be asked. The progressives, which is to say the base of the party, has got to be apoplectic over the idea of Schumer and his massive, massive failures. So now you're the Senate. Now you're... Ooh, I have not not done this, guys. I have not gone through this. Hold on. If you're the the, the Democrats and you take a look at Senate leadership... Who's part of the leadership? How does that work? You've got the leader who's uh, uh, Chuck Schumer, right? Then you have the minority whip who is Dick Durbin. Could you imagine Dick Durbin being in charge of the, of the Democrats? Then you've got Patty Murray from Washington State. After that, the vice chairs of the caucus, Mark Warner and Elizabeth Warren. Then Tammy Baldwin, who's the Democratic Conference uh, secretary, who, by the way, may not win her, her re-election bid in Wisconsin, going up against Leah Vukmir. Then you've got Chris Van Hollen, Debbie Stabenow, Amy Klobuchar, Joe Manchin, who will never, ever get a leadership position uh, because he's not progressive enough, uh, Jeff Merkley of Oregon, and Patrick Leahy. That is not what you want to see. Chuck Schumer might be their best bet. Chuck Schumer might be their best bet. I will say I don't know the uh, prowess of of Patty Murray out there. The only other name where I think people would be interested in might be a Chris Van Hollen or an Amy Klobuchar. Chris Van Hollen out of Maryland, uh, that's a guy who isn't afraid to throw an elbow. Amy Klobuchar, I think people might see as a voice that can bridge both parts of that Democratic Party, the true progressive wing and that more establishment kind of wing, and they they might like what she can bring. I don't know where she is as a fundraiser. I don't know where she is in terms of a strategist. But I can't, I don't see a math where the Democrats say, well, we gotta have Chuck Schumer as our leader. What's the point? What is the point of keeping Chuck Schumer? He has done nothing but lose. It's like it's like uh, Nancy Pelosi. When do they finally say, Nancy Pelosi, you're out of leadership. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. 
Maybe if they don't get the house. Right now, I still see the house's push. But maybe if they don't get the house. Um, I know one thing. Democrats are not getting a Senate seat in Texas. Sorry, Beto. The, 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 the mania is over. I'm Tony Katz. billion. Wait, hold on. That might be completely wrong. No. It's still $1.6 billion. Except it's not going to be $1.6 billion. It is possible that it will go up from there. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Nobody won. So now it's 1.6 billion when it was at nine. It was actually at a billion. Then it went to 1.6. Uh, so I am expecting this thing to get close to, if does not hit, $2 billion. $2 billion. Now on the 1.6, it's a $950 million payout, I believe it is. And then you would have taxes on that. So you'd have 35% at the, at the top end, I believe it is. Yeah, 35%. And then you'd have whatever state and local. So just figure the 35% number, right? If it was a billion, 35% would be 350 million, 650 million. One way or another, you're walking home with 600 million bucks at $1.6 billion. At $2 billion, you're walking away with 750, making 100, another 100 million, 700, $700 million. That's real money. No matter who you are, that's real money. Now, at that number, Ari... Uh, you, you, you can't come back. You can't come back. No matter what you do. My problem is, this is what I do. This is what I do. So I may, st- I may still be here. Uh, but everyone's asking, what do you do if you, if you uh, win? Um, well, you call a lawyer. You call a lawyer and you try not to tell anyone. Do not tell a soul. If I won... I would do everything possible not to tell anybody. Not to, oh, oh, no, 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 no. No one, no one needs to know. I need time to figure it all out. I need time to be like, okay, what happens next in my life? Because one of the, and I've heard this story a million times, that when you win the lottery, it's not that you've got the family that's all got a handout. It's not that you got friends who all have a handout. It is charities. Charities go crazy. And come after you like nothing else, all wanting a little something. And so my first rule is, if you approach me, the answer is no. I do not get approached. I approach you. That's that's how it has to be. You have to totally change the dynamic. You are not allowed to approach me. If I want to work with your charity, I will approach you. And I already know the charities I want I want to work. You know, so so don't hey hey no 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 the, the 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 kids need a new softball field. Don't approach me. Kids are playing in dirt, right? I'll, I'll teach them some life lessons. Then there's the whole conversation about moving. I think I'd have to move. I don't think I'd have an option. I don't I don't think I'd have an option. Maybe you would, but I have not yet won the 1.6 billion. 
I am trying very hard. I don't know what happened in this Nebraska school. But I'm I I don't need, I don't know how it's possible. Um a Nebraska superintendent apologizing for the anxiety and harm caused after the school chef served kangaroo meat to students. I don't know how that happens, but when you take a look at the at the letter that was sent out by the Potter Dix Public Schools, included in the meat for the chili was kangaroo meat that was mixed with the beef. I discussed it with the head cook, and he said the kangaroo meat, because of its nutritional value, uh, because it's a very lean meat, after our discussion, he provided me with nutritional information, some of which I've included in this mailing. You can't feed people kangaroo meat. I don't care if it's a lean meat. I don't care if you call it the other, other white meat. People are not okay with eating kangaroo. Do you, they, they're okay with eating cow. They're okay with eating pig. They might be okay with eating goat or sheep or lamb. They're, they're not okay with kangaroo. They're not okay with dog. They're not okay with guinea pig. They're not okay with squirrel or other rodents unless you're in some very, very small pockets in Appalachia. Maybe Texas. Okay? They're not okay with kale. I mean, let's, let's just be perfectly clear. There was, um, a, remember the, the issue with romaine? There was E. coli in the romaine, and so oh, it was out of Yuma, Arizona, and, and so romaine was, was verboten in restaurants for a few months. So restaurants went to making, for example, Caesar salads with kale, which, as we all know, is the single most awful thing I have ever heard of. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. And when I was last in New York for a couple of meetings, I ordered a Caesar salad, and she said, would you like that with kale or uh, the traditional? And I said, I'm sorry, and I punched her in the neck. I did not punch her in the neck. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, we had the E. coli issue, so we, I think it was E. coli. Uh, so we've been making it with kale, and it, people really liked it, so we kept it on the menu. And that's when I knew New York was over. It was over, Johnny. It's all gone. It's all finished. It's all dead. Bye, Felicia. That's all there is to it. Can't serve people kangaroo meat. They're not going to react well to it. And uh, if a family wants to eat exotic foods, they can do so on their own time, not at school. That's from the superintendent there at the Potter Dix Public Schools, which is a, f- a fine answer. In the meantime, kids have got to be freaking out. Absolutely, positively freaking out. Now, if you missed any part of my interview with Todd Young, I'll be sharing that on, the, on my morning show, and I'll share a little bit more of it uh, tomorrow right here. Of course, you can go and check it all out uh, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. The podcast is there as well. Um, we're going to be keeping a serious eye on this caravan. The caravan is going to have to be stopped. And uh, those people who want to, uh, you know, tear at their garments and scream and cry that we're attacking children and women, you have to accept the fact that they're wrong. And you have to say so. What we're seeing is invasion. It's what we're seeing. It's the attempt, I should say. You don't wait for it to get here. 
you stop it there. Part of our America's foreign policy is to stop them over there before they get here. Mexico doesn't have the strength for it. We do. We have the willpower. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.